Welcome to the Water and Stone podcast. You are listening to episode number 145. Our Sunday worship service for December 15th, 2019 is Revolve. It is the fourth in the series, The Light. Faith starts when we move past our expectations, embrace surprises, and move into a revolutionary life. So our scripture today is Luke 2, 9 through 10. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. Now, you've heard that one before, not just because it's, you know, it's in the Bible and all that good stuff. You've heard that one before because it's what Linus says in the Peanuts uh, Christmas special, which is a very important part of, uh, of the holy experience. It is actually my favorite Christmas special. And you know the part. If you haven't seen it, you got to go see it. It's amazing. But what happens in the story, if you haven't, or if you need a refresher, because it's been decades since you saw it, is it's the story. It's the story that you see so often where people aren't sure what Christmas means. And is it about materialism? And is it about getting presents? And is it about garnering attention and favor? Is it about meeting expectations and doing all of these things? And no one seems to know what the meaning of Christmas is and on and on and on. And you get it. You've seen, whether or not you've seen that one, you've seen another Christmas special just like it, right? And then Linus gets up and he says, I'll tell you the meaning of Christmas. And he reads that part. The angel comes to the shepherds and the shepherds are afraid. And the angel says, don't be afraid. I'm bringing you good news of great joy for everybody. Everybody. That everybody thing is really important. And I love that moment where the angel tells the shepherds, don't worry about it. It's going to be okay. Because whether or not you know what it is to be a shepherd, (laughs) you know what it is to be in the face of greatness and not know what to do. And we're talking about that a lot. We've been talking about that a lot for Christmas because it's one of the key themes, right? And I think that there's something really funny about the idea that so often in the Bible, when something spiritual happens, when the angel appears, when someone sees God in some way or another, when the important thing happens, so often the next thing out of the mouth, let's say, of the angel is, it's okay, it's just me. Think about how often that happens. I think that we have this idea that if we were truly spiritual beings, we would be in the face of greatness and just be cool with it. But I think it's kind of reassuring in a way that when great things happen, the first reaction a lot of people have is, uh-oh, something bad's about to happen. And the angel says, it's okay, it's okay. I think that that message is for you and me too. Because one way or another, whether or not you know what it is to be a shepherd, you know what it is to be in the face of greatness. And in that moment, I want you to know that it's okay. I think that so often people pray about The big things, you know, I want the healing and I want the prosperity and I want the true love and I want a job that's meaningful and all of these things are great things to pray for and great things to want under the tree for Christmas and great things in general. But maybe before those big miracles can happen, maybe the work that we have in front of us is to change our default reaction to greatness from fear to acceptance. 
Because here's the thing, you can pray about healing all you want, but if you won't accept the healing when it, it arrives as an opportunity because you're scared of it, you can't participate in that miracle. You can pray for true love all you want, but if you're afraid of what that means when it shows up, good luck. You know? So maybe before, or at least alongside, but probably before we pray for the other stuff, let's get ourselves to the place where our prayer is, God, can I just be okay with this? If the miracle shows up in your life, can you be okay with it? That's what the miracle of the angels is saying, and I want you to think about what your default reaction to great things is. That's where healing can happen. Ask yourself, am I a no person? Hey, do you want to go do this thing? Do you want a new opportunity? Do you want to try this thing? No, I'm old or I'm tired or I'm, eh, no. Okay, well, then it ain't going to happen. God can't happen against your will. Miracles can't happen against your will. Love can't happen against your will. I don't care what the songs say. It is a participatory event. Life requires participation. May my will be in alignment with something bigger than me, right? Or as Jesus says, not my will but thine be done. Can you not be a no person anymore for Christmas? Can you turn something around? That is the message. And when you think about it, man, oh man, think about the story of your life and how many times the thing that you thought was going to be overwhelmingly terrible turned out to change something for you. Think about it. The job you didn't want to do, the person you didn't want to talk to, that moment. The stories that we tell other people tend to be the stories of, I thought it was going to be bad and it wasn't so bad and what do you know? That's, that's the line, right? Think about it. It's a lot of movies too. But it's the stories that have changed us. And in fact, at the end of that moment, so often the, the takeaway that we have is, why was I so closed off to begin with? Well, I'm here to tell you, you don't have to be. What if I was just open in a, in a different kind of way? What if I wasn't afraid? I mean, think about this. The things that you were afraid of when you were a little kid, you're probably not afraid of anymore. You're probably not worried about a boogeyman under your bed. Probably. I'm not here to judge. There's, there's things, right? The stuff that you used to worry about and be afraid of, Maybe you used to be afraid of flying and you flew a lot for work or something. You're not afraid of that anymore. Stuff changes is my point. You've grown out of that and into other things. But here's the deal. Whether it's a boogeyman under your bed or I have those same feelings about my boss. Whether it's being afraid of, of a certain situation as a child, like the first day of school or the first day at work. Until there is a paradigm shift, even if you grow out of certain fears and trepidations, you will find new ones, more adult ones, more mature ones to replace them, and the cycle continues until something changes in you. You will just get more and more sophisticated fears. I'm not afraid of geography class anymore, but I'm not crazy about my tax return. You know what I mean? That happens until something changes. But if you take those two pieces of information that you will keep finding fears if you choose to and the things that you tend to be afraid of actually were things that were transformative and positive and happy and healthy and growing moments, then what if you can embrace the unknown? What if there's a way to be okay, to turn something around, to flip some kind of a switch? What if, this is what I'm trying to say, what if surprise 
the unknown, the paradox, the mystery. What if surprise is okay? I mean, that's kind of a Christmas thing, isn't it? I mean, we wrap presents. It's weird. I mean, explain that to a child. You ever had that negotiation with big people in your life, with your parents when you were a kid? Look, I know you're giving me something. I see it under the tree, maybe. Can I just have it? You're putting paper around so I can't see what it is. I'm going to unwrap it later. What are you doing? To a child, it makes no sense. And you're looking at someone who, when he was seven years old, went to the toy store when he was on a trip with his parents and measured the boxes. I brought a tape measure with me so I could compare. We complain about our parents, but I recognize that I was not a day at the beach to hang out with either as a child. But you explain to the child that we wrap presents because it adds to the magic and the mystery and it's better. If you wait, there's something wonderful about that moment. Remember that moment when you open the presents? There's something awesome about not knowing and being a part of the unfoldment. That's great and that's how life works. Christmas is a time of mystery and a time of paradox. You bring lights from inside outside. You bring a tree from outside inside. If, there's, if you're standing under a particular shrub, you get kisses. Is it any shrub? No, it's a particular one. Can I go outside? No, it's got to be inside. You hang a sock out, out by the fire for some reason in Florida. We have a fire. There's, there's a sock. Do I hang both socks? No, just one sock. It's okay. It's for Jesus. <laughs> These are the rantings of an insane mind. And yet all of it adds to the magic. And the mystery, if you can embrace the not knowing, embrace the paradox, embrace the mystery, you leave room for something beautiful, something you can feel. And that is 100% in line with what happened on that very first Christmas. You know the deal, the three wise guys show up and they bring Jesus gifts that are completely inappropriate for an infant. Kids are not so crazy about myrrh and frankincense and gold and all of that. Now, you and I know, because we've been through this before, you and I know that there's a point to that. They brought him gifts that you would give royalty. Because there's a meaning there, right? It's not about practicality. It's not about logic. It's about a meaning that is deeper than that. There were people who were expecting the coming of the Messiah as the coming of some kind of warlord who was going to beat everybody into submission and that ain't how it went down. Because there's a deeper meaning. There's a deeper message. Over and over again, the idea of that moment, that birth, that first nativity has to do with getting past logic and into something truer than true. And then as that little boy grows up and starts to teach us these ideas of this bold, heroic presence who kicked over tables in the temple, but also said, blessed are the meek. Who taught about the idea that you never have to want for anything because God will take care of you and fed the multitudes, but also never own anything. Embrace the mystery of it if you want to get over something. And if you really know about those prosperity teachings of Jesus, you would say he was able to be taken care of. He never wanted for a thing. He wore a seamless robe, all that stuff, because he never made those things the object of his existence. That's the secret. 
The whole message and ministry of Jesus Christ is about getting you over something, a new revolution, getting past the old ideas, embracing the paradox and the mystery. If you want to fall in love, you want that feeling of togetherness and security and beauty that comes with that, and it's great. You feel like Tom Hanks at the end of a Nora Ephron movie. That's awesome. But to get to that feeling of security, you have to embrace profound vulnerability. It's a paradox. But it's the thing that brings you the magic. You have to get over the idea that you're going to get to handle everything your way. If you want to love and be loved, you've got to give that up in order to be part of something bigger than you. Guess what? Everything is like that. Life only works to the degree that you are okay with not knowing what's going to happen next. Life only works to the degree that you are okay with embracing the paradox and the mystery because life is full of those paradoxes and mysteries. Here's the thing. You are not called upon to make logic of your life. You are called upon to make sense of your life. But sense is not logic. Sense is something you feel. You are not called upon to make reason. You are called upon to make feeling. You are called upon to feel your way through your life, to love and bless your way through your life, to be part of something that does not fit between your ears. That's how Christmas happens, and Christmas is a compressed version of life, like we say. It's about understanding that those moments when you can't make sense of it are exactly the moments when something magical is about to happen. Don't paper over those moments. Fall in love with those moments. The ancient Greeks, when they talked about the idea that the sun moving across the sky was because Apollo, the god, was pulling it in a chariot, most of the ancient Greeks knew that he wasn't really doing that because they'd seen chariots and they're pretty sure they don't take flight. They knew that it represented something. And it's a story about personification, a story about connection, a story about the idea that someone up there likes you, so to speak. Origin of Alexandria, the important Christian thinker, said that there are parts in the Bible that don't make logic. They make sense. He said it this way. He said that there are stumbling stones in Scripture to prevent you from thinking that you're supposed to read it like a cookbook or stereo instructions. He didn't say stereo instructions. They didn't invent the stereo until five or six years later. But I mean, you know the deal. Somebody told you about the seven days of creation and you're a smart kid, so you said, hey, how come it says on the first day and on the second day, but they didn't invent the sun and the moon yet? How do you get day from that? What's the point? The point is there's a deeper meaning there. You were a smart kid and somebody told you about the story of Noah and the ark and you said, you know, I know from the Discovery Channel that some animals live in some spaces and some animals live in other ones and you can't just have two of every animal in one spot. How come? And the reason is, this isn't supposed to make logic. This is supposed to make sense because maybe you don't know what it's like to have to gather up two of every animal. <laughs> I hope you don't. I don't think Jack Hannon knows what's up with that. It's one of those things. But you know, you know how it feels to be in that situation. You do. And if it was supposed to make logic, you would never get to the place of feeling. You know exactly how it feels when God comes to you and says, it is time to clean all of this up. 
Maybe it doesn't seem like a burning bush or a voice booming in the wilderness, but you know when your heart says, enough. You know that feeling. We all do. And the message given to Noah in that story is take into your protection, take into the ark of your heart what you want to have more of in your life and let the rest be cleaned up. You know how that feels. And I don't know about you, but I know how it feels to do successfully when I say, okay, this is what I want to have more of in my life and I'm going to love and bless the things that love and bless me and I'm going to let the rest just go. I know what it's like to do it right and I know what it's like to mess that up real bad to hang on to things that are hurtful and also to go, it's my job to go clean the world and I'm going to tell those people and they need to know that they are wrong on Facebook usually. They need to know that they're wrong. Well, that's God's job in the story. And you know how it feels when you do it right and maybe you know how it feels when you do it wrong. You're here to make sense, to make feeling of your story. So how does it feel? when you interpret the Bible based on how it feels, you know what it feels like to be facing the rain. You know what it feels like to be in that manger in one way or another. You know what it feels like to be a shepherd in the field in the face of greatness and go, okay, I'm going to not be afraid. Here we go. You know what that feels like. You do. When my kids were smaller, they would come to Jenny and I and say, you know, I had a dream about this and that and the other. And we'd sort of smile knowingly because we'd been to school and we took those classes about here's what dreams mean. But they hardly ever actually mean the thing. You can get on the internet and go, oh, I had a dream about, you know, your teeth falling out. That's very common. Or I had a dream about, you know, I was naked at school for final exams and, and you know, whatever. People have those dreams. And we learned very early on that they never meant the thing that the internet says they mean. There's something to take home with you. So we learned very early on, instead of saying, well, what were the symbols, to say, how did it make you feel? How did you feel when the thing happened? My son came to me when he was about eight, and he said, I had a dream that I was naked at school. Now, if you follow the rules of dream interpretation, that's an insecurity dream. It means that you're not getting stuff done. You know all that stuff. But we were smart enough to go, how'd you feel about being naked at school? And he said, yeah, I was pretty okay with it. <laughs> Because for him, it was a message of be your true self and don't have any barriers and, and let yourself be open because you're pretty dang awesome. And he is. And if you know Miles at all, that story is barely even funny because that just so, totally makes sense for him. It's not about what you did. It's not about the signs. It's about how it feels. That's the secret to dream interpretation. It's the secret to Bible interpretation. It is the secret to looking at your life because here's what I want you to know. Your life is holy scripture. It is being co-written in this moment by you and God. What will you feel as you go through this story? Is it a bummer? <laughs> What's your story of your life? How does it feel? That's the important thing. People say, well, that sounds good, but I don't want to... You know, you're talking about playing make-believe. Are you suggesting that I, that I play make-believe with my life? I'm glad you're dressed. Um, <laughs> she'll tell you later. 
Are you suggesting that I play make-believe with my life? No, I am suggesting that you are playing make-believe with your life. I am suggesting that for most people, life is a game of make-believe. We make ourselves believe certain things in order to get through. Think about it. (laughs) The stock market is an example of, I am rich to the degree that our shared delusions are, uh, are good ones. Think about how much that drives what we think of as very solid is just based on what we all just sort of decided. Daylight savings time, we all just decide it's a different hour. That's cool. Think about it. So much of our life is making believe. So much of what people do from nine to five, what people put up with in their love life, so much of it is already, I am making myself believe a thing. I'm not asking you to make believe. I'm saying you're already really good at it. Instead, what I am suggesting is what if you and me and everybody else turn something around and instead of basing what we force our hearts to do on what goes on outside of us, the opinion of others and so on, I'm saying, what if we base our outside conduct by what's in our hearts? What if you just turn it around? You have the power to do things differently. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, what if you weren't afraid? What if, when you look at your life, you don't have to account for the worst case scenario? What if it's not going to go wrong? What if it's not going to go wrong? What if it's going to be okay? Are you prepared for what happens when nothing goes wrong? Are you ready? Do you have your kit? You're a Floridian. You've got water bottles. You may have sandbags. Do you have a everything went right kit? You want to fall in love? Is there room in your closet for their clothes? Are you ready? You want to be the kind of person who's a good example to somebody? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you prepared for success and happiness? What if it doesn't go wrong? What if you have a choice about how you look at the world? There are giants and dragons to vanquish in the hero story of your life. And we are warned that if you go tilting at windmills, they might cast you down into the ground. But as Cyrano says, they might also cast you up among the stars. You have a decision to make about how you take this. Where will your story go? People say, yeah, but I'm afraid. Well, I get that. Sometimes I am too. I'm working to change my default response like we talked about. That's right. But you know also, because you're an expert at this, you know what fear is. I know what fear is. Fear is, just to go real quick because we talked about this before, fear is an internal decision based on something that has not happened yet, right? Fear is based on something that has not happened yet. I feel a certain way and it affects my conduct. It affects my physicality. You can fear yourself right into the emergency room if you want. Fear is a decision I make based on something that has not happened that affects what's going to happen. And if you change a couple of those words, you have a really good definition of faith. It's the same thing. It's just pointed in a goofy direction. That's all it is. People come to me and they say, I wish I had more faith. How do I get more faith? What book will give me more faith? What guru, what workshop, what pilgrimage will give me more faith? And I say, you have all the faith you'll ever need. You live by it. Like Paul said, we walk by it, not by sight. You are already really good at this. 
All I'm suggesting is you use that amazing muscular power to look at something good instead of something bad. This is not optimism. This is power. There's a difference. There's a difference. I might suggest also, if your default reaction to good things, or even just opportunity, if your default reaction is fear, you now know that it's time to turn the telescope of your imagination around. You know what happens when you look in the wrong end of a telescope. You get kicked out of science class. But also, everything's small and diminished. But you're doing the same thing. You're looking. There's subject, object. There's process. There's tool set. The whole thing is there. All you've got to do is one simple thing. Turn something around, bright eyes. Oh. That's <laughs> all you have to do. You are already really good at this. And people say, uh, yeah, but uh, that's hard. I don't, I, don't know, I don't know how to overcome the fact that it's difficult. And I, I worry because it seems like really good people are good at this. And I want you to know that that's not true. Like I said at the top of this little presentation, every time the angel appears, at least nine times out of ten, the angel's got to say, it's okay, it's okay, it's just me. It's good, we're good. Calm down. Right? Paraphrasing. What I'm trying to say is it's okay if you've got to chew on this. It's okay if it takes time to change your mind, if it takes time to change your heart, if it takes time to change your default perception. Jacob was not thought of as great because he figured it all out. Jacob was thought as great because he wrestled with his angel. It's okay if it takes time. It's okay if it takes work. It's okay if you don't know what to do. And here, all of that is so I could get to the point of today's lesson, and that is this. You ready? This is the deal. This is the takeaway. Thank God for those moments when you cannot cope because you're not here to cope with it. Answers, if they are transformative and revolutionary, have to come from something bigger than you. Thank God for those moments when you don't know what's going to happen next because that was never your job. Thank God for those moments when you are outside your comfort zone because that's where faith lives. Thank God for those moments when you don't know, when you can't cope. Lean into those moments. Don't paper them over. Find them. Be an adventurer of your own heart. Find those moments and lean into them. And here's the trick. Don't be afraid to be that for somebody else. I really want everybody to hear this because what I'm trying to say is you were never expected by your creator or by anybody who really loves you. You were never expected to be small just to make it okay for somebody else. And we're going to get over that together if we're going to change things. Enough trying to make it okay for somebody else by living in one kind of closet or another. Enough trying to make it okay for somebody else. And I don't want to surprise them. And, you know, we're going to see them at Christmas. So don't tell them about that thing. Find graceful ways. Find kind ways. Don't be mean about it. But be honest about it. No one benefits from you being small. You know that. It's in half the email signatures you get. The other one's the Gandhi one. It's, it's that thing. Don't be afraid 
to show somebody something. The reason that shepherds appear so much in Scripture is not just because there was a lot of shepherds, but also because the role is one of care, is one of honor, is one of being willing to lay down your life to protect something. That's what shepherds do. If you want to be in a position where you're ready for the angel to show up, be in a position of honest, loving care. How does it feel when you care? Get in front of this. Because here's the deal. We're coming to the end of another year, and it's easy to start thinking about where you were last Christmas or the Christmas before or a dozen Christmases before that. And, and it's nice to reminisce, but on the other hand, ask yourself, am I just chewing on the same problems? Maybe different faces, but the same stuff? Am I just going through the same thing? I mean, there's a PlayStation 4. Maybe before it was PlayStation 3 I really wanted for Christmas. But is it just the same stuff? Because you know the saying, Eric Butterworth, you will go through it until you grow through it. And so what I'm suggesting is just like you're not afraid of the things you used to be afraid of, but maybe there's just new fears, it's time for something different to happen. It's time for us to change our default reaction to greatness, and it is time for us to be okay with that great part of us, even if not everybody can handle it. Maybe you being that great will force them to be great too. Do it with love. Be a shepherd. But do it. It is time to stop going through the same old stuff. It is time for a revolution. So you want a new life? Decide to believe in miracles. You want a new life? Decide to believe in magic. All of this is a choice because after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you. Hey, this is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for listening along to the services and being a part of this extended church family. I love the idea that it's not something that's bound by a particular physical location, although I want you to know that you're always welcome to come join us. Our street address is 1000 3rd Street South in St. Petersburg, Florida. It's an amazing thing to be a part of this physical community. But one way or another, I want you to know that you're part of a larger family. And this meaning series that we're working on has to do with finding out what really matters in your life and making a life that matters for everybody. So with that in mind, there's all kinds of things that I want you to know about. There's all kinds of things to try and do that's going to make a difference in your life. And to find out more about the different homework and kind of things that we have going on, please find us on the web at waterandstonechurch.com. That's waterandstonechurch.com, all spelled out. And you can find uh, our address, service times, links to all kinds of things that we're doing, and most importantly, links to find us on all kinds of social media. We'll be posting a lot of movies and things on Instagram. You can follow us on Twitter. You can subscribe to our newsletter, all of that. The two big important links are, once again, waterandstonechurch.com and at Waterstone Min, M-I-N, at Waterstone Min. That's where we are on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. So find us in those places. We'll be looking for you.